You hear that, Ralph? I, I do, Owen. Yeah, it's the holidays, or whenever you're listening to this, you can pretend it's the holidays. When I was little, we went to Christmas at my grandmother's, and my uncle was in charge of getting the gifts from my grandma for our, my sisters and I. And then one year, he got kind of sick of doing the the wrapping and <laughs> forgot to label what oh. presents went to who. Uh, so that was the year I got a Best of Wham double CD. <laughs> That's actually a running theme through my life because my mother raps but never writes out labels. She tells my dad what's in them at a later date. Okay. <laughs> and is right a good 40% of the time. It's n- it's only gotten worse since, they've, since my parents have hit their 80s. So um, we actually, last year for the first time, somebody actually got an empty box. <laughs> a wrapped but empty box if you're a two-year-old or a cat that's maybe the perfect gift i like the fact that you described it as the contents are unknowable from the heisenberg uncertainty principle <laughs> you know your mom can't know what's in no. there she can only let your dad guess there's either a present in there or there is not and you will never know you never know It's time, time for a thrilling story of romance, adventure, mystery, anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale. Hello, and welcome back to the show that usually ends. Another episode of Interrupted Tales, the podcast where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As usual, I'm Rob, and this is my friend Alan. How are you, Alan? Uh, Oh, oh, I'm very good, Rob. (laughs) Very good. Yes, uh, as you may have guessed, folks, uh, this week is our special Interrupted Tales Fabulous Fun Time Holiday oh, Interrupted Ganza. Yes, Rob, yes. That's right. This week, you're not you're not just going to get one, but two cringly tales of holiday excitement and adventure from two different authors, so and two different readers, too. Yep. First, going to start off with a little story called Little Jean by Francois Coupy. That was published sometime before 1916, which is when the collection we got it from was published. And our second story is A Kidnapped Santa Claus from 1904 by L. Frank Baum. Oh, big name. Big names here in the uh, Interruptaganza. <clears throat> now it's time to curl up in your favorite chair and grab some eggnog while we read you this week's tales. Little Jean, A Christmas Story Long ago and far from here, in a country with a name too hard to pronounce, there lived a little boy named Jean. Lichta Kazakafaso. You know what? Fuck it. It's Christmas. I'm five eggnogs deep. He lived in Jersey. Okay? (laughs) Jersey stand. Sure. In many ways, he was just like the boys here. For there are many Johns here, are there not? 
Well, it depends what neighborhood you hang out in. <laughs> then, too, Jean lived with his auntie. And some of our boys do that, too. His father and mother were dead. And that is true here sometimes, isn't it? Jeez. Everyone over there is gonna die and leave a flesh husk destined to be consumed by worms. But that's true here, too, isn't it? You can tell the story's French. But in some ways, things were quite different with Jean. In the first place, his auntie was very, very cross, and she often made him climb up his ladder to his little garret room to go to sleep on his pallet of straw without any supper save a dry crust. Jean, Jean, chew on this red baron pizza. I scraped off anything that looked edible and fed it to the goat. <laughs> Uh, his stockings had holes in the heels and toes and knees because his auntie never had time to mend them. And his shoes would have been worn out all the time if they had not been such strong wooden shoes. For in that country, the boys all wore wooden shoes. Okay, we're starting to narrow down where Carmen San Diego is. I'm thinking <laughs> Bermuda? I'm not guessing until Rockapella plays. That's my rule. Jean did many a little service around the place. For his auntie made him work for his daily bread, and he chopped the wood and swept the paths and made the fires and ran the errands, but he never heard anyone say, thank you. Okay, I love brain teasers, so hold on, it's um, because they don't speak English there. <sighs> you, you don't bury the survivors, Rob. <laughs> Jean's happiest days were at school. And I wonder if he was like our boys in that. Oh, yeah, they they love school. It goes <laughs> school, then video games, then posting vile comments on the internet, and then violin lessons. <laughs> there, his playmates wore much better clothes and good stockings, too, and warm top coats. But they never thought of making fun of Jean, for they all loved to play with him. One morning, Jean started off to school, which was next to the big church. And when he got there, he found the children all so happy and gay and dressed in their best clothes. And he heard one boy say, Won't it be jolly tomorrow with a big tree full of oranges and popcorn and candy and the candles burning? And the dry branches and flammable sap and the unfortunate years we have to wait until the fire engine is invented. <clears throat> and another added... Oh, won't it be fun to see the things in our shoes in the morning? The goodies that boys love. Scorpions. <laughs> We've narrowed it down to Arizona. And another said, My, but we have a big fat goose at our house, stuffed with plums and just brown to a turn. And he smacked his lips as he thought of it. Oh, I'm going to get me one of them goose plums <laughs> so juicy and goosey. And, oh, oh, man. Juicy and goosey. <laughs> just how I like it. Oh, just dip it right in the goose. <laughs> the goose juice. Oh, my. <laughs> and Jean began to wonder about that beautiful tree and wished that one would grow at his house. And he thought about his wooden shoes and knew there would be no goodies in them for him in the morning. Uh, if he's talking about odor eaters, I guess every day is Christmas for me. <laughs> then he heard one boy say, Don't you love Christmas? And John said, Christmas? Why, what is Christmas? But just then the teacher came in and said, Boys, come into the church now and hear the music. And so the boys marched one behind the other, just as they do in school here. And they went into the great church. 
Jean thought it was beautiful in there. The soft light, the warm, pleasant air, the flowers, and the marble altar, and then the music. Hey, free wine and hors d'oeuvres? Looks like they forgot the toppings, but hey, I'm used to just crust. <laughs> oh, such music Jean had never heard. And somehow as he sat on the high-backed bench and listened, his own heart grew very warm, although he could not understand why. And he loved so to hear them singing, Peace on Earth, Goodwill to Men. What's so funny about peace, love, and goodwill to men? Uh, and it began to sing itself over and over in his heart, this sweet, sweet song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then the time came to go home, and the boys all shouted, Goodbye, Jean, and Merry Christmas. Yes, and Happy New Year, even though... John didn't know what a year was or what the word <laughs> new meant. <laughs> He's only 10. You can't expect him to know what Christmas is. Jesus. And though John didn't know about Merry Christmas, he kept singing in his little warmed heart, Peace on Earth, Goodwill to Men. And then he was glad the other boys could have the tree and the goose and the wooden shoes full of goodies, even if he couldn't. All right, that's pretty sweet. I guess I don't really have a joke for that it's just kind of a nice sentiment uh, just keep just move on as jean went home the snow began to fall and the big flakes lodged on his shoulders and cap and hands but he didn't mind the cold for his heart was so warm actually that's probably angina <laughs> it's the first sign of, of hypothermia by and by, as he ran down the street, he passed a tall house with the steps going up from the street. And there, sitting at the bottom step, he saw a little boy with soft, curling hair and a beautiful face, leaning his head against the stone house, fast asleep. Are there, are there any girls in this town, or is it just, like, orphan <laughs> nope. boys nope. and mean ants? Cherubic orphan boys and mean spinsters. That's it. Somehow, as Jean looked at, his, at the sleeping face... His own heart grew still and quiet and warm, and he felt like he could look at it forever. And suddenly he caught himself singing softly under his breath, Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Yeah, it's, it's catchy. Could be a Max Martin joint. <laughs> Dr. Luke. And then he looked down at the little boy's feet, and he saw that he was barefooted, and his little feet were purple with the cold. As Jean looked at his feet and then at the face of the child and thought of the sweet song in his heart, he said, Oh, I wish I could give him my shoes, for I have stockings to keep me warm. But Auntie would be so mad. And the more he looked and thought, the more he longed to give his shoes away, until all at once he said, I know what I'll do. I'll give him one shoe and one stocking, and then he won't be so cold. Yeah, well, this kid's a problem solver. <laughs> I know. I'll put one shoe on his knee, and he can walk around like dwarf, and then his feet will stay warm all the time. And he felt as though he couldn't get his shoe and his stocking off fast enough to give them to the little child. So gently and tenderly he lifted the little cold foot in his hand to put on the shoe that he did not waken the sleeping boy. I can uh, fought in Crimea and uh, took six-year-olds. <laughs> then, when he had put the stocking on the other foot, 
And then, as he stood up again and took a last look at the lovely face, before he knew it, he was singing aloud, Peace on earth! Goodwill to men! And then he hopped off home in the snow with the happiest heart he had ever had. Now, I wish the story turned out differently, and that his auntie said when he told her about it, I'm so glad you did it, Jean! And everything worked out great, because Payless was having a buy-one-shoe-get-one-stocking-free sale. <laughs> Perfect timing. The problem is it's a wooden stocking and a cloth shoe. It's, it's all backwards. But she was so very cross that she slapped Jean and sent him off to bed without any supper, saying, You had no right to give away that shoe and stocking, for my money paid for them. Somehow, Jean didn't mind doing without supper that night. And he soon went fast asleep and dreamed a beautiful dream, for he thought he was still singing Peace on Earth, Goodwill to Men. Yeah, yeah, Peace on Earth, Goodwill to Men. It's a nice song, okay? <laughs> I think you'll find the real spirit of Christmas is captured in a gem called Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. <laughs> think of more last Christmas, maybe. Yeah. And he saw a vision of the little sleeping boy that grew into a tall and gentle man with a radiant face who walked to and fro in Jean's dream, singing with him peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then morning came, and outside his window, Jean heard the voices of children saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill to men. And he heard a very strange sound, too, for his auntie's voice, soft and gentle, said, Jean, wake up and come down and see what has happened. A magical hat transformed your crust. Happy birthday! My name is Krusty the Dough Man. <coughs> Sorry, got a little something in my throat. <clears> throat> Jean, he, and John came down the ladder, and lo, there was a wonderful tree just like the other boys were having today. And a goose. And a shiny new child services representative. <laughs> And by the fireplace, his own wooden shoe. And beside it, the mate that he had given to the sleeping child. Which was returned in fair condition, but clearly <laughs> had not been hand-washed. And far in the distance, Jean heard the children's voices singing as they ran down the street. Peace, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then the room grew very still and peaceful. And Jean's heart did too. And through the silence there came a voice so tender and loving, so gentle, that the auntie's eyes were full of tears. And they were totally 100% real and not an act just because Jesus was dropping by. <laughs> I think she just got goose drunk. And Jean wanted to listen forever. And the voice said, Jean, inasmuch as ye did it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye did it. Unto me. The end. You know what, Rob? I don't think we even need to bother with a moral for that one. I think it's obvious that the the whole Christmas holiday is a marketing invention. Mm -hmm. A big wooden shoe to convince you one <laughs> shoe is not enough. When when will we learn to not let Big Wooden Shoe run this country? It's it's crazy. What do you say we get into the holiday spirit mm. and the act of giving? Folks, this is the time of year when you gather around with your family, nestled in bright 
colored sweaters and maybe roast some chestnuts over the fire. Okay, or... this is going nowhere, Rob. Just ask him for the reviews. Please, people, please go on iTunes, take two seconds, and rate us. You can rate us a five. You can rate us a five. You can even rate us a five. Whatever you want, go to iTunes, rate totally us. Totally up to you. Leave a review. Totally up to you what kind of five you want to give us. Leave a review. Go to our Facebook page, Interrupted Tales. Go go like it. No, no, no. You're just reaching, okay? All right. iTunes, five stars. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Everyone, go Good luck and Godspeed. Our next interrupted tale is A Kidnapped Santa Claus by L. Frank Baum from the pages of The Delineator Magazine, 1904. Pick a side. Pick a side. The Delineator. That was there. That was their slogan. Yeah, my grandmother doesn't like the delineator nearly as much as she liked the equalizer. (laughs) Curl up in that same chair that you were in previously. Continue to be in that chair. Sip the same drink. Maybe top it off, freshen it, Mm. while I read you this week's tale. Santa Claus lives in the Laughing Valley, where stands the big rambling castle in which his toys are manufactured. Okay, so we're already off to a weird start here. Not my Santa, people. Not my Santa. His workmen, selected from the Riles, the Canucks, Pixies, and Fairies, lived with him, and everyone is as busy as can be from one year's end to another. Oh, yeah, there are toys to be built, a massive delivery to coordinate, and goofy names for more creatures to be made up. It's a busy pace to keep up. It is called the Laughing Valley because everything there is happy and gay. It was a much happier place than the retching forest and heaving seas that surrounded it. The brook chuckles to itself as it leaps rollicking through its green banks. (laughs) You'll never catch me, green banks. (laughs) The wind whistles merrily in the trees. Unfortunately, it's only whistling two princes. All day. Every day. It's a nightmare. (laughs) It's also very bad at whistling. I don't know. (laughs) The wind wind didn't learn how to whistle until late in life. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those winds have to learn when they're just little breezes. The sunbeams dance lightly over the soft grass. Truly, a Paso Doble to remember. And the violets and wildflowers look smilingly up from their green nests. Comfortable in the knowledge that no one will ever blame them for the farts they just made. To laugh, one needs to be happy. To be happy, one needs to be content. And throughout the Laughing Valley of Santa Claus, contentment reigns supreme. Ho, ho, ho! You will be happy under penalty of death, kids! Laugh, damn you, laugh! Ho, 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 ho! On one side is the mighty forest of Burzee. At the other side stands the huge mountain that contains the cave of demons. And between them, the valley lies smiling and peaceful. That cave of demons has got to be drawing down the property values in that valley. One would think that our good old Santa Claus, who devotes his days to making children happy, would have no enemies on all the earth. And as a matter of fact, for a long period of time, he encountered nothing 
but love wherever he might go. Be mindful that this too shall pass, Santa. You're one love guru away from everyone forgetting why they liked you so much in the first place. <laughs> yep, you're right. But the demons who live in the mountain caves grew to hate Santa Claus very much, and all for the simple reason that he made children happy. Plus, there was that year that Santa gave them Sega Master Systems instead of Nintendo Entertainment Systems, and let's just say the demons hold grudges. But Nintendo don't. Sega do. The caves of the demons are five in number. A broad pathway leads up to the first cave, which is a finely arched cavern at the foot of the mountains, the entrance being beautifully carved and decorated. In it resides the demon of selfishness. Hmm. It sounds like he's doing all right for himself. Nice foyer, good heat for a cave, close to good schools, bottomless pit included as is. Oof. That's... You're going to want an inspector, then. <laughs> Back of this is another cavern inhabited by the Demon of Envy. The cave of the Demon of Hatred is next in order, and through this one passes the home of the Demon of Malice, situated in a dark and fearful cave in the very heart of the mountain. The Demon of Malice had long since relocated from his town called Malice after pissing Paul Weller off. <laughs> I like that joke. <laughs> I do not know what lies beyond this. Some say there are terrible pitfalls leading to death and destruction, and this may very well be true. However, from each one of the four caves mentioned, there is a small, narrow tunnel leading to the fifth cave, a cozy little room occupied by the Demon of Repentance. Well, the Demon of Repentance? I thought the best part of being a demon was never having to say you're sorry. And the blood sacrifices. <laughs> too, I mean, but it all goes together. It's, it's a package you know, deal. Column A, column B. Yeah. And as the rocky floors of these passages are well-worn by the track of passing feet, I judge that many wanderers in the cave of demons have escaped through the tunnels to the abode of the demon of repentance, who is said to be a pleasant sort of fellow, who gladly opens for one a little door admitting you into the fresh air and sunshine again. Oh, come on down to Demon Cove, where a cup of hot chocolate will warm your insides while your outsides are roasted eternally on the spit of Abraxas. Well, these demons of the caves, thinking they had a great cause to dislike old Santa Claus, held a meeting one day to discuss the matter. Ah, there it is. Somehow I've always known that the source of all meetings is demonic. <laughs> I'm beginning really lonesome, said the demon of selfishness. <laughs> For Santa Claus distributes so many pretty Christmas gifts to all the children that they become happy and generous, and through his example keep away from my cave. Yes, it was much easier to tempt children to their deaths before this nice guy moved in next door. I am hmm. having the same trouble, rejoined the demon of envy. These little ones seem quite content with Santa Claus, and there are few, indeed, that I can coax to become envious. I've been thinking of going back to school for my MBA. <laughs> That's a good choice. I mean, <laughs> it's planned for the future. Yeah. And that makes it bad for me, declared the demon of hatred. For if no children pass through the caves of selfishness and envy... None can get to my cavern. All right. This this whole structure seems poorly designed. So, wait, wait, wait. 
does this definitively prove that all the urban planners went to heaven? Or to mine, added the demon of malice. <laughs> hey, you wanted... Hey, listen, I... You you had a demon of hatred, and I don't really feel like I got distinguished that much from him. So you got the demon of malice, okay? That's that's what you got. For my part, said the demon of repentance, it is easily seen that if children do not visit your caves, they have no need to visit mine, so that I am quite as neglected as you are. And all because of this person they call Santa Claus, exclaimed the demon of envy. He is simply ruining our business, and something must be done at once. Ah, yes, the demon's business plan. Step one, lure children to have nasty thoughts. Step two, step three, profit. To this they readily agreed. But what to do was another and more difficult matter to settle. They knew that Santa Claus worked all through the year. At his castle in the Laughing Valley. Yep. Everyone knows that. That's totally (laughs) where he is. Absolutely. Preparing the gifts he was to distribute on Christmas Eve. And at first they resolved to try to tempt him into their caves. That they might lead him on the terrible pitfalls that ended in destruction. So they decided to engage the giant trail of Cheetos protocol. So the very next day when Santa Claus was busily at work. Surrounded by his little band of assistants, the demon of selfishness came to him and said, Wait, wait, wait. He didn't even knock? Ooh, that guy is selfish. These toys are wonderfully bright and pretty. Why do you not keep them for yourself? It's a pity to give them to those noisy boys and fretful girls who break and destroy them so quickly. Why, I bet none of them kept Yoda's cape, and they probably lost He-Man's shield immediately. Keep it in the box, kids. Nonsense, cried the old graybeard, his bright eyes twinkling twinkling merrily as he turned toward the tempting demon. The boys and girls are never so noisy and fretful after receiving my presents, and if I can make them happy for one day in the year, I am quite content. Ah. Just like Dad. I miss him. Uh, you're, what happened to Dad? <laughs> he, he, he was only let me be happy one day a year. It wasn't easy, but that was a good day. Oh. Thursday. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> so the demon went back to the others, who awaited him in their caves, and said, I have failed, for Santa Claus is not at all selfish. Not selfish, but he is rude. He he didn't even offer me a drink. And I said I wanted a puppy, and he said, You're not allowed to get a live animal, okay? I just can't make that deal. It's up to your parents. <laughs> the following day, the demon of envy visited Santa Claus. Again, just barging in like the demon of assholery. Said he, The toy shops are full of playthings, quite as pretty as those you are making. What a shame it is that they should interfere with your business. They make toys by machinery much quicker than you can make them by hand, and they sell them for money, while you get nothing at all for your work. Well, nothing but the satisfaction of breaking into hundreds of millions of houses every year, so... Let's not dismiss that out of hand. Well, it's got to be a fetish. <laughs> it's an accomplishment. 
But Santa Claus refused to be envious of the toy shops. I supply the little ones but once a year, on Christmas Eve, he answered. For the children are many, and I am but one. And as my work is one of love and kindness, I would be ashamed to receive money for my little gifts. Ah, just like the Godfather. But throughout all the year, the children will, will be amused in some way, and so the toy shops are able to bring much happiness to my little friends. I like the toy shops, and I'm glad to see them prosper. A rising tide raises all boats, I say. I'm not at all afraid of the rise of cheap imports and my ever-growing labor costs. I've been thinking of outsourcing the elves. <laughs> In spite of the second rebuff, the demon of hatred thought he would try to influence Santa Claus. So the next day, he entered the busy workshop. So this... This workshop has to have a literal revolving door, right? Yeah, it saves on energy costs because the cold air stays within the, the door well. Smart. You know, yeah. It's smart. Good morning, Santa. I have bad news for you. I hate you. Ha <laughs> ha. I bet you didn't see that coming, you big red jerk. Then run away like a good fellow, answered Santa Claus. Bad news is something that should be kept secret and never told. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hold on. I gotta make a note of this. Uh, can Santa explain this to my wife, preferably before my upcoming conference in Vegas? Well, you know what they say about <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> it's also what I like to say about the North Pole. <laughs> you cannot escape this, however, declared the demon. For in a world are a good many who do not believe in Santa Claus. And these you are bound to hate bitterly since they have wronged you. Good. Use your aggressive feelings, Santa. Let the hate flow through you. No! <laughs> Stuff and rubbish, cried Santa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Santa, watch your gosh darn language. This is why Mrs. Claus left in the first place. Yes, he called her a fuss bucket and said she was ratchet. <laughs> oh, my. And there are others who resent you making children happy and who sneer at you and call you a foolish old rattlepate. You're quite right to hate such base slanderers, and you ought to be revenged upon them for their evil words. Rattlepate? They called me that? I'll kill those SOBs. I'll make their children orphans. They are dead. Dead. Oh, oh, oh. Whoa, Santa, you gotta calm down, man. <sighs> but I don't hate them, exclaimed Santa Claus positively. Such people do me no real harm, but merely render themselves and their children unhappy. Poor things. I'd much rather help them any day than injure them. Well, not Sundays. Sundays are when I play cards and kick it back with Jesus and Kirk Cameron. <laughs> Indeed, the demons could not tempt old Santa Claus in any way. Hey. Hey, what happened to the demon of malice? What, I get hey. no screen time here? <laughs> what, anyone need any malice? I thought you called for some malice. Hey, come on, man. I'm gonna go get the papers, get the papers. You know, fuck it, I'll see you at New Year's, maybe. <laughs> On the contrary, 
He was shrewd enough to see that their object in visiting him was to make mischief and trouble, and his cheery laughter disconcerted the evil ones and showed to them the folly of such an undertaking. So they abandoned honey words and determined to use force. Oh, finally, some real demon stuff. Bring on the scares, story. It was well known that no harm can come to Santa Claus while he is in the Laughing Valley, for the fairies and the riles and the Canucks all protect him. Those, fa those fairies aren't great muscle, but you need to watch out for those Canucks. They'll crawl you. <laughs> Maybe it's not Canucks. <laughs> I had nooks, but you know, it's it's regional. Maybe that's why that's why they call them up in Canada. It's um they're so oh. close to the North Pole. Oh, I like it. Laughing Valley. Yeah. But on Christmas Eve he drives the reindeer out into the big world, carrying a sleigh load of toys and pretty gifts to the children. And this was the time and the occasion when his enemies had the best chance to injure him. So the demons laid their plans and awaited the arrival of Christmas Eve. Ironically, they use an advent calendar to count down to it. Well, there's... Because they're know. demons. It's they, not... What? It's ironic. It's ironic because they're demons, you know. Plus, what's but, in a demon's advent calendar? You know, coal, um, firing embers, Legos. Legos, yeah. <laughs> The moon shone bright and white in the sky, and the snow lay crisp and sparkling on the ground as Santa Claus cracked his whip and sped away out of the valley into the great world beyond. The roomy sleigh was packed full with huge sacks of toys, and as the reindeer dashed onward, our jolly old Santa laughed and whistled and sang for very joy. For in all his merry life, this was the one day in the year when he was happiest, the day he lovingly bestowed the treasures of his workshop upon the little children. His unhappiest day of the year, when he has to clean out the litter boxes for the Canucks. Oof. It would be a busy night for him, he well knew. And he whistled and shouted and cracked his whip again. And as he did so, he reviewed in his mind all the towns and cities and farmhouses where he was expected and figured that he had just enough presents to go around and make every child happy. Just enough. Um, maybe bring in a CPA, because <laughs> if you've got a list of every child in the world and you're not sure of whether you have enough presents, <laughs> there's been some manufacturing issues. I mean, I'm not talking Tesla Model 3 necessarily, <laughs> but... You got to review that process. It happens every year. Everyone's like, oh, we got plenty of time. And then it's December 1st and everyone's like, oh, crap. The reindeer knew exactly what was expected of them and dashed along so swiftly that their feet scarcely seemed to touch the snow-covered ground. Wait, so was this before he upgraded his reindeer from normal to flying? By the way, extra bonus of the upgrade, reindeer steaks for weeks. Ooh. Think about it. I don't. Mm. Gave me in filling. <laughs> mm. Suddenly a strange thing happened. A rope shot through the moonlight, and a big noose that was in the end of it settled over the arms and body of Santa Claus and drew tight. Before he could resist or even cry out, he was jerked from the seat of the sleigh and tumbled head foremost into a snowbank while the reindeer rushed onward with the load of toys and carried it quickly out of sight and sound. Disloyal jerks! I'll go blitzing on all your asses! 
Such a surprising experience confused old Santa for a moment, and when he had collected his senses, he found that the wicked demons had pulled him from the snowdrift and bound him tightly with many coils of the stout rope. And then they carried the kidnapped Santa Claus away to their mountain, where they thrust the prisoner into a secret cave and chained him to the rocky wall so he could not escape. Ooh, all this bondage is putting Santa one satin blindfold away from a Silk Stockings episode. This week on Silk Stockings, Santa visits the naughty list. <laughs> I don't I think my dad watched that one. Hey kids, ask, ask your grandparents what Silk Stockings <laughs> was. And it's stockings, like stocking people. Oh, the cleverness never ended. Ha ha, left the demons, rubbing their hands together with cruel glee. What will the children do now? How will they cry and scold and storm when they find there are no toys in their stockings and no gifts on their Christmas trees? And what a lot of punishment they will receive from their parents and how they will flock to our caves of selfishness and envy and hatred and malice. Ah, that's right. Kids come a-running for the great taste of selfishness, envy, hatred, and malice. That's with demonos. Come on, kids. We've done a mighty clever thing, we demons of the caves. <laughs> now, it so chanced that on this Christmas Eve, the good Santa Claus had taken with him in his sleigh, Neuter the Ryle. Mm-hmm. Neuter. Mm-hmm. Peter the Canuck. Pete. Kilter the Pixie. Kilt. And a small fairy named Whisk, his four favorite assistants. Assistants, indentured servants, really who's counting here? Uh, they're mortally bound to me. <laughs> These little people he had often found very useful in helping him to distribute the gifts to the children. And when their master was so suddenly dragged from the sleigh, they were all snugly tucked underneath the seat where the sharp wind could not reach them. At least that's the story they told the cops. It was an inside job. Watch loose change, people. The tiny immortals knew nothing of the capture of Santa Claus until sometime after he had disappeared. That's exactly what they want you to think. But finally, they missed his cheery voice. And as their master always sang or whistled on his journeys, the silence warned them that something was wrong. Yes, once they stopped hearing Santa sing its raining men to himself for the third time, they knew something was up. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> it's raining men. Every specimen. <laughs> oh. Little Whisk stuck out his head from underneath the seat and found Santa Claus gone and no one to direct the flight of the reindeer. Whoa, he called out, and the deer obediently slackened speed and came to a halt. Now it's Whisk's time to shine. Peter and Neuter and Kilter all jumped off the seat and looked back on the track made by the sleigh. But Santa Claus had been left miles and miles behind. What shall we do? asked Whisk anxiously, all the mirth and mischief banished from his wee face by this great calamity. Ah. Uh. That perfectly describes my expression at Christmas whenever I realized that there was only one present left to open. And it wasn't for you? <laughs> it, it, none of them were for me. And this one is for Robford. <laughs> 
We must go back at once and find our master, said Neuter the Ryle, who thought and spoke with much deliberation. Boy, uh, Neuter's really bought into this whole master thing, huh? Quick, someone lend him a copy of Marx's The Poverty of Philosophy. Okay, pretty highbrow. Okay, mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. No, no, exclaimed Peter the Nook, who, cross and crabbed though he was, might always be depended on in an emergency. Yeah, remember how he invented the gift card in 1984? That guy really knows how to save Santa's bacon. <laughs> you know, it's to Macy's, because uh, I know you like Macy's. <laughs> if we delay or go back, there will not be time to get the toys to the children before morning, and that would grieve Santa Claus more than anything else. It's true. Santa can't stand to see a sad child. Well, a Christian child, at least. Right. He has to cut it off somewhere, I guess. (laughs) I guess. It is certain that some wicked creatures have captured him, added Kilter thoughtfully, and their object must be to make the children unhappy. So our first duty is to get the toys distributed as carefully as if Santa Claus were himself present. Afterward, we can search for our master and easily secure his freedom. But what about our freedom? Elf power now! Elf power forever! We strike the bourgeoisie at sunrise! The gutters will flow with the tinsel of the (laughs) non-believers! It seemed such good and sensible advice that the others at once resolved to adopt it. So Peter the Canuck called to the reindeer. And the faithful animals again sprang forward and dashed over hill and valley, through forest and plain until they came to the houses wherein children lay sleeping and dreaming of the pretty gifts they would find on Christmas morning. So Santa's 1904 delivery radius was pretty much just a few miles away from his house? And this guy became a saint? Well, it's a sliding scale. (laughs) No four. The little immortals had set themselves a difficult task, for although they had assisted Santa Claus on many of his journeys, their master had always directed and guided them and told them exactly what he wished them to do. But now they had to distribute the toys according to their own judgment, and they did not understand children as well as did old Santa, so it is no wonder they made some laughable errors. Giving a Chucky doll to that four-year-old proved to be their first and last mistake. Yeah, it's just a cute little doll. <laughs> and he likes to cut up vegetables. Beets, I think. <laughs> Mamie Brown, who wanted a doll, got a drum instead. And a drum is of no use to a girl who loves dolls. Unless, of course, she wants to become the drummer for the New York dolls. And now you're walking... Like it's ten foot tall. Yeah. She's already got the lipstick and the uh, pantyhose for it, I guess. And Charlie Smith, who delights to romp and play out of doors, who wanted some new rubber boots to keep his feet dry, received a sewing box filled with colored worsteds and thread and needles, which made him so provoked that he thoughtlessly called our dear Santa Claus a fraud. That's right, and I'll say it again. Jolly little elf, my ass. Such a nasty holiday spirit. Had there been many such mistakes, the demons would have accomplished their evil purpose and made the children unhappy. But the little friends of the absent Santa Claus labored faithfully and intelligently to carry out their master's ideas, 
and they made fewer errors than might be expected under such unusual circumstances. Uh, finally, on this podcast, we get another harrowing story of getting something wrong and then fixing it and everyone being happy in the end. So thrilling. I don't like this sort of scab mentality. Get the real players on the field. <laughs> I don't want to see amateur uh, Santa Claus sprites. Anybody, any foot and a half tall can go down a chimney. There's going to be an asterisk on this entire Christmas Eve. <laughs> and although they worked as swiftly as possible, day had begun to break before the toys and other presents were all distributed. So, for the first time in many years, the reindeer trotted into the Laughing Valley on their return in broad daylight, with the brilliant sun peeping over the edge of the forest to prove they were far behind their accustomed hours. Someone, however, had to take the fall for being late. I'm afraid there will be no Christmas ham at the Dasher household this evening. Really? It's kind of scapegoating him. Scapedeering him. Having put the deer in the stable, the little folk began to wonder how they might rescue their master. And they realized they must discover, first of all, what had happened to him and where he was. <laughs> this, this is exactly why you haven't yet seen a quirky network police show about four lovable immortal elves that solve crime. It's because they really just kind of suck at it. So Whist the fairy transported himself to the bower of the fairy queen, which was located deep in the heart of the forest of Bursey. Ooh, is that near the dingle? Yep, that's where the genies live and mm. also the Afrit and the city of brass <laughs> which is <laughs> uh, trademark so we can't, we can't we can't include that in our story can, can we talk about brigadoon <laughs> our forest of bursey campaign world is is, <laughs> is uh, our own intellectual property and once there it did not take him long to find out all about the naughty demons and how they had kidnapped the good santa claus to prevent his making children happy the fairy queen also promised her assistance, and then, fortified by this powerful support, Whisk flew back to where Neuter and Peter and Kilter awaited him, and the four counseled together and laid plans to rescue their master from their from his enemies. Okay, I approach from the north, guns a-blazing, while you three form a pincer around the caves to cut off any chance of escape. We'll either live to be heroes or dine in Valhalla tonight! I was going to propose a lawsuit. You're always proposing lawsuits. I want blood! It is possible that Santa Claus was not as merry as usual during the night that succeeded his capture. Oh, you don't like being kidnapped, Santa? Why don't you go cry about it? Well, no, I don't really no. like oh, it. Oh. Well, there's no need for that tone, no, though. I don't oh. know what tone. For although he had faith in the judgment of his little friends, he could not avoid a certain amount of worry and an anxious look would creep at times into his kind old eyes as he thought of the disappointment that might await his dear children. And the demons who guarded him by turns, one after another, did not neglect to taunt him with contemptuous words in his helpless condition. Wait, words worse than Rattlepate? Oh, those fiends. I can't think of one. No, you can't. It's the worst. Rattlepate. When Christmas Day dawned, the demon of malice was guarding the prisoner, and his tongue was sharper than that of any of the others. By the way, Santa, thanks for that tongue sharpener last year. Really makes this taunting a breeze. Oh, demon of malice. Okay, I'm on. I'm on. <laughs> hey, his children are waking up, Santa. 
They are waking up to find their stockings empty. Ho, ho. How will they quarrel and wail and stamp their feet in anger? Our caves are going to be full today, Santa. Our caves are sure to be full. Oh, I'm afraid this cave will be quite operational when your friends arrive. That's the second Palpatine you've done it's tonight. It's all in. I just want to do the voice. Okay, all right. But to this, as to other like taunts, Santa Claus answered nothing. He was much grieved by his capture, it is true. But his courage did not forsake him. And finding that the prisoner would not reply to his jeers, the demon of malice presently went away and sent the demon of repentance to take his place. Please, it's just Phil. My father was the demon of repentance. This last personage was not so disagreeable as the others. He had gentle and refined features, and his voice was soft and pleasant in tone. So, not like a demon at all, then. He must have been the screech of his group. My brother demons do not trust me over much, said he, as he entered the cavern, but it is morning now, and the mischief is done. You cannot visit the children again for another year. That is true, answered Santa Claus, almost cheerfully. Christmas Eve has passed, and for the first time in centuries I have not visited my children. Boy, those six kids who live in my neighborhood are going to be pretty bummed. The little ones will be greatly disappointed, murmured the demon of repentance almost regretfully, almost repentantly. <laughs> but that cannot be helped now. Their grief is likely to make the children selfish and envious and hateful. And if they come to the caves of the demons today, I shall get a chance to lead some of them to my cave of repentance. Oh, always with the sloppy seconds. Always the bridesmaid, never the demonic bride of unholy Satan. Do you never repent yourself? asked Santa Claus, curiously. Oh, yes, indeed, answered the demon. I am even now repenting that I assisted in your capture. Of course, it is too late to remedy the evil that has been done, but repentance, you know, can come only after an evil thought or deed, for in the beginning there is nothing to repent of. Unless you are a woman, then watch out for apples. They are trouble every time. Watch those apples. How do you like them apples? You don't like those apples. They kind of fucked everything up, Rob. <laughs> so I understand, said Santa Claus. Those who avoid evil need never visit your cave. Oh, they don't need to visit, old man. They do it for the kicks. As a rule, that is true replied the demon. Yet you, who have done no evil, are about to visit my cave at once. For to prove that I sincerely regret my share in your capture, I am going to permit you to escape. Ah, Phil. The gangly, helpful demon. Yeah, he's, he's pretty cool. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah, I mean, you gotta get used to him, I guess. You know, it kind of grows on you. This speech greatly surprised the prisoner until he reflected that it was just what might be expected of the demon of repentance. Wait a minute. I've thought out this whole demon of repentance thing, and it makes no sense. Who are you, really? The fellow at once busied himself untying the knots that bound Santa Claus and unlocking the chains that fastened him to the wall. Then he led the way through a long tunnel until they emerged into the cave of repentance. Right past the Orange Julius and Build-A-Bear workshop. <laughs> 
Let's stop at the Orange Julius, please. <laughs> no, then, there's so few left. I hope you will forgive me, said the demon pleadingly. I am not really a bad person, you know, and I believe I accomplish a great deal of good in the world. All I'm saying is give demons a chance. Sure, nine out of ten of us will tear off your head and put it on a spike, but that tenth demon is going to do it and then feel a little bad about it later. Just feel a little bad. It's not like the nice guy of repentance. He's got a job to do. I, I can't blame him early. With this, he opened a back door that let in a flood of sunshine, and Santa Claus sniffed the fresh air gratefully. I bear no malice, he said to the demon in a gentle voice, and I am sure that the world would be a dreary place without you. So, good morning, and a Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> Santa out! With these words, he stepped out to greet the bright morning, and a moment later he was trudging along, whistling softly to himself, on his way home in the Laughing Valley. Marching over the snow toward the mountain was a vast army, made up of the most curious creatures imaginable. Oh no. Oh god, it's the Kiss Army. Run, Santa, run! There were numberless Canucks from the forest, as rough and crooked in appearance as the gnarled branches of the trees. That's crooked in appearance? Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> crooked in appearance, as the gnarled branches of the trees they ministered to. And there were dainty riles from the fields, each one bearing the emblem of a flower or plant it guarded. Beware, all who wish to harm a hosta bush, for I, Butternut the Ryle, have pledged to protect all hostas from hostiles. <laughs> Behind these were many ranks of pixies, gnomes, and nymphs, and in the rear a thousand beautiful fairies floated along in gorgeous array. What happened to the sprites? Hey, hey, sprites are nymphs too. <laughs> this wonderful army was led by Whisk, Peter, Neuter, and Kilter, who'd assembled it to rescue Santa Claus from captivity and to punish the demons who had dared to take him away from his beloved children. And also because one of the demons once called Kilter fat, and everyone knows it's just a glandular problem. You be you, Kilter. You be you. Don't potty shame me. And although they looked so bright and peaceful, the little immortals were armed with powers that would be very terrible to those who had incurred their anger. Oh, terrible powers like smelling faintly of gingerbread and adorably reaching cabinets by standing on each other's shoulders. <laughs> Woe to the demons of the caves if this mighty army of vengeance ever met them. But lo, coming to meet his loyal friends appeared the imposing form of Santa Claus, his white beard floating in the breeze, and his bright eyes sparkling with pleasure at this proof of the love and veneration he had inspired in the hearts of the most powerful creatures in existence. As prophesied, Santa the White has returned. While they clustered around him and danced with glee at his safe return, he gave them earnest thanks for their support. But Whisk and Neuter and Peter and Kilter he embraced affectionately. But not too affectionately, he still had that settlement with Hermie the Elf weighing on his mind. It's, I'm not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> it is useless to pursue the demons, said Santa Claus to the army. They have their place in the world and can never be destroyed. 
But that is a great pity, nevertheless, he continued musingly. Yes, that's right, kids. Never bother trying to fight evil. There are good people on both sides. No. (laughs) (laughs) So the fairies and Canucks and Pixies and Riles all escorted the good man to his castle, and there left him to talk over the events of the night with his little assistants. Oh, ho, ho, you had a little trouble figuring out whose presence was whose? I was chained to a wall by demons! Seriously, guys, you've got to stay awake in the sleigh! Whisk had already rendered himself invisible and flown through the big world to see how the children were getting along on this bright Christmas morning. And by the time he returned, Peter had finished telling Santa Claus of how they distributed the toys. By outsourcing most of the delivery through a stock swap with FedEx, we really maximized our savings. (laughs) Don't sell me on an ad, dude. (laughs) We did very well, cried the fairy in a pleased voice. For I found little unhappiness among the children this morning. Still, you must not get captured again, my dear master, for we might not be so fortunate another time in carrying out your ideas. He then related the mistakes that had been made, and which he had not discovered until the tour of inspection. And Santa Claus at once sent him with rubber boots for Charlie Smith, and a doll for Mamie Brown so that even those two disappointed ones became happy. Oh, oh, good for them, but where's my disc man, Santa? I had to live with a Walkman all through high school. Not even one of those waterproof ones. Cassettes are cheaper, my boy. (laughs) You don't want to fall for that CD craze. It's just a fad. (laughs) As for the wicked demons of the caves... They were filled with anger and chagrin when they found that their clever capture of Santa Claus had come to naught. Indeed, no one on that Christmas day appeared to be at all selfish, or envious, or hateful. Hey, what's going on, guys? (laughs) I feel a little left out here. No malice? What's up? What? It's malice? Okay, Christmas day's over. Are my ears burning? No. (laughs) No, they are not. And realizing that while the children's saint had so many powerful friends, it was folly to oppose him. Besides the magical creatures, Santa's got big friends in D.C. and in the meatpacking industry in New Jersey, if you know what I mean. The demons never again attempted to interfere with his journeys on Christmas Eve. The end. All right, well, jingle, jangle, jingle. Boy, that guy really knows how to make children's things very creepy and weird. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. What could be creepy about a whole army of evil demonic creatures that are Santa's beck and call? If they had wings, then... Fairies have have wings. Yeah, they do have wings. (laughs) If they had monkey faces... (laughs) Those are the Canucks. Oh yeah, they have monkey face. Okay, so he just he just kind of lifted this wholesale <laughs> and and added a tornado. You okay, can't rip right. off yourself, kids. Ha <laughs> ha! I'm glad we've we've had a chance to get into the holiday spirit, bro. Me too. I feel a certain glow inside, and uh, once that wears off, I think I'll be as bitter as always. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for this week's episode and hope everybody out there is having a nice, happy holidays wherever, whatever you are. 
Tune in next time for another exciting interrupted. Hey, Nuda the Elf gets more dialogue than me. What the? His, his name's Nuda. Nuda. Come on, man. It's bullshit. Hey.